and welcome to the Round Review brought to you by Footy Live and Simmons Homes. And every day across Australia, it's tools up for Team Simmons because their people stand by their promise to start building your new home on time and on budget. So if you're ready to join the hundreds of Australians, they're welcoming home each month. Talk to Simmons, the great Australian builder. Boys, it's uh, round three is in the books, and what a round it was. I'm going to unpack it with a couple of my uh, good friends. It's Gordon Hunter-Meredith and Nick Gulliamino. Welcome, boys. Good to be here. Good to be here. Hey, boys. Oh, here we go. Boys. Are either of you into the stock market by any chance? You didn't even let Gordo say hello. but um, We love the no. stocks. We love the stocks. Come on. Well, Let's you, just, just pretend Gordo loves it. He's got a story yeah. for us. It's story time with Nikki G. We yeah. love the stocks. I was just, I was just gonna say, I was just gonna say, I'd be investing in our uh, bonds or maybe Calvin Klein because I know a fair few Carlton supporters who might need a new pair of underwear today. Because oh, wow. walking out of the MCG, I could. It, it was a bit smelly. It was a bit smelly. Jeez, that was a great opening, Gordo. Hello. <laughs> After that, how are you feeling? Uh, deeply concerned about Nico's mental state there. But um, it is the Melbourne Comedy Festival on at the moment. And uh, mm. I think if you get down to the Imperial Hotel, you can check out Nikki G's new show, Shit Jokes and Shit Pants. And uh, we'll be well, well done. Good. Very good. Nico's angry. I can tell he's angry. No, I'm because angry. I, I looked on Twitter yesterday in the first tweet, of course, it's not just about Hawthorne, is it? It's about the umpires. He was not happy. And when his team loses, especially. Oh, extra upset. No, 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 no. no. Uh, I, I, I am upset about the umpires this week, but um, not so much for the Hawthorne game. Although I do think Carlton had the rub of the green for sure. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, no, oh, I'm, I'm actually quite content with the result. To be honest, I'm quite content. You know, winning three quarters of footy against a a team that um looks to be top four bound. I'm very excited about this. Well, before we, we move on, I think your tweet, I don't have it in front of me, but I remember you said something like to compete against a so-called informed team. I don't think they're so-called. They, they are an informed team. I mean, no one's denying that. What did you mean by your tweet at the end of the game? It was pretty sarcastic. Yeah, it's so cold. I mean, going up against a team that um everyone tipped for bottom of the ladder or bottom four at least. And, I mean, to lose three quarters of footy, I don't think they're, you know, so much in form, are they? Who's who's not in form? I mean, Carlton. I mean, I mean, you lose three quarters of footy to, you know, a team tipped for the bottom of the ladder. But you could um, say that Hawthorne that, that's not really, they, I don't think... I mean, they got the win, you know, three 0 and that's all that matters at the end of the day. But um, I don't think I don't think a lot of Carlton supporters would have been walking out of there too confident um, really? as they were well, walking into the game, at least. Well, that's an interesting one because I think a lot of supporters might think, well, maybe we underestimated Hawthorne because they put up put up maybe. a good fight, they and did. maybe both teams are competitive. But I mean, you can only beat who you play. That and is true. That so is... I don't know, Nicholas. I don't know, but. What I do know is you've got a hero for us. I won't ask for yours yet because you could go on about Hawthorne all day. I'll ask Gordon. Who's your hero, mate, of the weekend? My hero is the unsung hero of the Melbourne Football Club. Because Melbourne, when you hear Melbourne, you hear wins, you just hear Petraka. He's mm. the only reason why Melbourne wins, apparently, and it's just simply not true. There are so many unsung heroes. Mine, Ed Langdon. I love oh, wingers. Wow. I've always liked wingers. It's because yep. probably I'm a breeze-free outside kind of player myself, a bit too yep. thin Don't to play in the contact. midfield. Yeah, Not a lot of contact, but... uh. Yeah, I like those type of players, you know. We had Max Watts back in the day. We had uh, Isaac Smith now doing his stuff for Geelong. 
great. And I think Ed Langdon has taken up the mantle as the best wing best. swingman in the league at the moment. And no his game on the weekend is just another sample of what he's been doing for, for years now. So some of his amazing stuff, he's played 100% game time so far this year. Mm. He's the only 100%. not 100% game time. Hasn't gone on the bench. Hasn't gone on the bench at all. For Melbourne at all this year. At all? At all. Wow, so that he's, surprises me. He's the, he's the glue. Despite being this run-and-gun player, super high intensity. Because he's, he's an glue. elite elite runner. Like he, elite he, runner. And he hasn't gone on the bench. Lots hasn't gone on the bench. The- yeah. Mental. So just the little things like that, but then just little things. He's always the first to assist. He's always the first to have the let-out pass. Always the first to be in the right place to defend. Just does the unsung little things that help you you know, win games of football like Melbourne have been for so long, but never gets the plaudits of his, you know, Brownlow medalists, Norm Smith medalists, mm. uh, teammates. So I just thought he deserved a bit of a shout-out. And he still had huge numbers too. 31 disposals, kicked mm. a goal, eight score involvements. Looked good on the scorecard, but also would have looked great today at the review panel for the coaches. Pats on the back, but uh, some media pats on the back for Ed Langdon as well. Well, well done. done. He would have looked better if he had some more than 58% disposal efficiency, but that's okay. That's all right. That's just one little thing. No, I'm just, that's good. That's good enough. When you get 31, they can't all be perfect, can they, Gordo? They cannot. They cannot. Exactly. No, I like that one. That's good. The D's. Still the benchmark. I think they did the job on Friday. I thought, I'll ask you later about Essendon, but they just did what they had to. They could have won by a lot more, to be honest. I thought the, the margin kind of favoured the Dons, you know, Melbourne absolutely dominated. I mean, I, the inside 50 numbers, I'll, I'll get them up right now. Yeah, 66 to 39, because I remember watching on the night. I thought they were just pumping it in there. They could have won by a lot, lot more. Um, so, yeah, and he was one of the reasons why, to be honest. So good on you, Gordo. I like that one. Nicholas, who was your hero? My hero for the weekend was Max King, Jimmy. Uh, of course it was. It was <clears throat> into your mob. But four fourth quarter goals, that is massive. It's the second week in a row. He has become the match winner. Obviously, last week he kicked the three goals in about the space of two and a half minutes against Fremantle, yeah. which obviously won St. Kilda the game. And then to come out this week again and um, not do much for a majority of the game, but then to have a little purple patch in that fourth quarter and uh, boot four goals, um, it, it's unbelievable. You know, no one gets hot like Max King. He's reached four goals, four more goals on five mm. occasions, quicker than Buddy Franklin and Tom Hawkins, yep. uh, just to name a few. And four of those occasions have happened in the last seven games. Mm. So, okay. yeah. So if that makes sense, but he's unbelievable for, for a player his age to be booting bags of goals. Um, uh, yeah, at that age, I think is a remarkable effort. And yeah, obviously carrying St. Kilda on his shoulders at the moment. Yeah, I think I think the one, the one thing he'd need is probably continuity because he does it in patches. As we saw last week, he played one quarter and then probably yesterday, as we record this, he played one quarter. Um, so he'd probably want to do it more consistently. I think even he admitted it after the game when he was speaking about it. That's his challenge. I was to do it more consistently rather than just in, in patches. He was fantastic. He took, took some good marks and stepped up when he needed to. But when you're getting that kind of uh, delivery in from, from St. Kilda, his teammates who were doing the hard work, I guess, against the Tigers who were extremely poor in that final term, um, yeah, it's uh, it's probably easier than against a, a team who's going to put up a bigger fight in the midfield and, and, and uh, disrupt the entry inside 50. So, But good on him. I'd just like to see him do it more often, though. That's all I'm saying. But a good hero. He did well. They probably would have won without him. 
Oh, well. I don't think they would have, to be honest. Really? Okay. Yes, the 64 to 0 <laughs> run was pretty impressive as it well. It was. No, um, it was. It was. Yeah. I just think, yeah, he was probably the game changer for them. Okay. No, fair enough, too. Uh, my game changer was Jordan Dawson because he literally won the game mm. off his own boot and that was the the last kick of the game. And the reason why he's the hero, I think, is because obviously the pressure going into it, we know in the preseason it was Port Adelaide and Adelaide were chasing him, so he had a choice to make. And so when he did choose Adelaide and you've got the showdown, obviously the Port supporters are getting stuck into him and and why is this bloke chose Adelaide again uh, over us? And there's obviously that pressure coming into it, but also a showdown. And when you're the underdog, Adelaide were and for the majority of the night and they come back and then you've got the kick and you're taking the kick off someone who earned the free kick, I think that pressure is just uh, exacerbated. And for him to slot, I mean, <laughs> the way it kicked, it came back late. You thought that when it came off the boot, he was going to miss it. But it came back late. He, he's he's uh, got the childhood dream that everyone wants to do when they grow up and kicking in, in the backyard. You're pretending to do it. He got to do it in real life, which was fantastic. Not just that. He had 24 disposals and he kicked two goals. Then he won the medal. So I thought it was fantastic. Good on him. I don't know if he was the closest to the ball, but it was in his hands, I guess, when the uh, when the ump blew the whistle. So yeah, take it, slot it home. And uh, I thought he spoke well after the game as well. I always, I don't know about those. You know, when you win the medal uh, after games, like for for those those big ones, I don't know about talking to the players. Like I, I understand the captains, but when you just you know, like Shea Bolton has to speak after the. Uh, um, the Dreamtime game and the Anzac Day medal, that sort of thing. I don't know. I just, I'd rather them give the medal and then go because then they have to think about thanking the sponsors, thank the crowd, thank this. But I, sp- I thought he spoke really well. So good on him. He's my hero. We'll be back after a quick break. Do you think okay. it was intentional for him to uh, uh, take that kick? Uh, who was it? Lockie Jones or, uh, sorry, Lockie Murphy or Chase Jones who won the free kick. Uh, do you reckon he went off the ground on purpose? Well, so Jordan Dawson, because he is probably I, the best kick in the team. He probably is the best kick in the team. As soon as it happened, that was what was going through my mind. I thought he doesn't want to take, I think I messaged you at the same time. I said, Nick, he doesn't want to take this kick. As yeah. soon as he went, yeah. de- as soon as he got the contact, he went down. Yeah. Um, and it reminded me of, God, I can't remember what year it was, 2008, maybe, um, when uh, Nathan, Nathan Brent, when Richmond and Brisbane, uh, Richmond and the Bulldogs drew at Marvel Stadium. And uh, who was it? Was it Brian Lake who pretended to do his hamstring so he could pass the ball to Will Minsent to kick it goal because he didn't yeah. want to take it and ended up drawing the game. So you always, I don't know, you think of those things. And he's the one who kicked yeah. it out from back as well. So he kicked it out from full back and then he went and kicked the goal. So yeah. interesting one. I don't know. I think uh, I think Murphy's all right after that. <laughs> there was plenty of highlights. That was one of them. But what was the biggest highlight of the weekend, Gordo? Mine was a no fear footy at the uh, MCG. 
And so, as I said, Melbourne Comedy Festival is on, so the city is humming, but it was humming especially loudly after that game between Collingwood and Geelong. And it was just refreshing. I suppose last year they played probably the most boring game of football of the 2020s. And this year, yeah. probably one of the most exciting. And, you know, yes, I, and I, it would be interesting to, you know, get some Collingwood fans or you know, we had too many Geelong fans on the pod at the moment, but the Collingwood fans back to talk about were they disappointed? Did they see it as a choke? Mm. Or... Is it just their game style and sometimes better teams will find them out eventually? And I think that's what happened in my opinion is that they obviously had the three quarters of, of dominance, especially that third quarter. And then, you know, we've always, I've always said anyway that Chris Scott's probably one of the best game day coaches in the competition. And he finally worked out how to pull them apart, pull apart the ferocity. And being a younger side, you know, I think we're seeing it a lot this year that the younger sides are finding it hard to close out games. So instead of being a traditional choke and then, you know, good on them for trying to win it, how they were winning it for three quarters. Didn't quite work for them, but I think it holds them in good stead. And on the other side, you get to see Geelong do what they always do best, which is kind of, you know, work out a way to win late. They've done it in finals, they've done it in big games, and now they've done it against the Collingwood side that really took it up to them. But in terms of the game style, it's really refreshing to see these two teams try and play some football as opposed to just playing defence for four quarters and, you know, walking away with a nil order or, you yeah. know, world football terms. <clears throat> That's right. I mean, when you think of Collingwood and Geelong, you think of boring games of football, in, in, at least in the past. And I mean, when you look at Collingwood's record last year, they kicked over 100 points once, and that was in round two. Mm. They kicked over 100 points in both games this uh, this season. Coming into this one, they kicked 91, nearly got over the 100. But yeah, they're, 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 they didn't kick a goal in the last quarter, so they would have, if they did... They would have comfortably uh, gone over the 100 if they weren't playing Geelong. But they're, they're playing a different style of footy, which is good to watch. But it was just a remark. You mentioned Chris Scott changing things in the third term. I don't know how much tactically it was or just what he said to them because listening to Isaac Smith after the game as well and in a couple of post-match um, interviews, they they were saying, we wanted to find a way to win for Joel Selwood. That's, that's what it was. I think he put it on the plays and said, this is the biggest game of this guy's career, personally. Because he's he's this is the most games as captain he's taken over Sticks Gurnahan. You better win this game for him. And he and he put it back on the players and they found a way to win the contest and overrun the pies. It was remarkable. In the third term, halfway through, remember the commentators sitting there and talking about on radio and also on TV is just that Geelong is slow. Maybe they're cooked. This is the year that maybe they're cooked. And then all of a sudden, bang, they can change it. With, so before the before the fourth quarter, I wasn't impressed with Geelong at all. They literally played one game, one quarter of good football. I think the, the fans, you mentioned the Collingwood fans there. It was a mixed vibe and, and talk back. I know that, that some of them, I mean, in the moment, you're disappointed that you gave up that lead. But at the same time, for three quarters, you looked really, really impressive. This young group that no one really believed in, you know, Robbo tipped them for winning the spoon. I can, you know, we can safely say they've improved heaps. Um, but yeah, no, interesting. I, I enjoyed the game of football back mm. and forth. And the 666 rule, it's taken a couple of seasons, but it's mm. really come into effect now because we know if it was, for example, we look at the last quarter, as soon as Geelong got, they kicked seven in the last quarter. As soon as they got one or two, you would have chucked the wings back. You would have clogged it up. You've got an extra man back. And, you know, you can lose the contest, but as long as we've got extra men back and it would have been a boring, stale affair. Mm. But the 666 forces you. I thought it was brilliant. Collingwood ran out of legs in the end. I mean, still side bottom tried to go out there and fight, but he was he was gone. Um, I think they were all gone, ran out of legs. And, and that's what you expect from a team that's aging, but then also a really, really fresh team. They don't have those players in the middle, do they? Yeah. So it's mm. it's hard to run out games. But yeah, I, I loved it. Nico, did you so, did you watch that one? On, oh, sorry, Gordon. 
it does look good for the neutrals, and that's us three neutrals talking about the Collingwood Geelong game. Mm. But if we turn it, so the Richmond game, which we'll probably get to as well. Like, oh, do we have do, to? Do you lament the fact that you can't do stuff defensively to get a win? Because I think yeah. if you were a Collingwood fan, are you there wishing that you could just flick the wingers back and clog it up and get the four points, or is it just like, oh well, that's the game now? At least yeah, it's I better watching us lose. That's the game now. because, And also, that's how Collingwood scored in the first three quarters, really, yeah. because Geelong would have done the same thing to stop their scoring when they had that run on in the the third, third quarter. Yeah, third quarter, quarter just, nine yeah, goals. Third, yeah, nine goals. Geelong would have done the same thing. So I think it's great that it, yeah. that you can't do it. I think it's fantastic. And it puts emphasis on those clearances, center clearances especially. Um, so, no, it's fantastic. I like it. These momentum swings have been a theme for the first three rounds and it has mm. to be put down to the 666. And like you said, Gordo, like oh, how you meant to stop it or you just meant to, you know, uh, let the bleeding continue. It all comes down to those center bounces now. So, if I mean, if you want to defend, um, yeah, if you want to defend those balls coming in and the defenders being under pressure, you just, it all comes down to those clearances. You have to be able to stop those and, yeah, we, we saw them. Uh, we saw it in many other games across the weekend. And the one that I was going to talk about next for my highlight was the Hawthorne Carlton game. And there was mm. a fair few momentum swings in that one. Great segue. Yeah, it is a great segue. Yes, seeing, well, it. firstly, seeing um, 66,000 people pack out the MCG on a Sunday afternoon in a time sure. slot that's been, you know, criticized over the years. I think it's been, you know, how well, it clashes with... Fans and Jeff well, Kennedy. no, just, you know, no, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> it clashes with, uh, you know, community sports apparently and whatnot, but it was great to see a, a lot of supporters turn up for that one. Mm. Um, obviously, both teams in form in the first two rounds of the season. They put on quite a show. It looked like in the first quarter it was going to be a bit of a one-sided blowout um, in favour of Carlton. I thought they yep. were going to win by about, you know, 80 points. Mackay and Kerno looked like they were on track for 10 goals each. Um, I think we looked very undermanned and Hawthorne looked very undermanned in the defence. Um, you corrected yourself there when you said we. Yeah. You didn't have to. You could have kept going with it. It's fine. Well, I thought we responded very well. <laughs> uh, we were able to stop the bleeding um, after that and go on to uh, win the next three quarters of football. And it was just a great game of footy and it set up a really entertaining um, last five to ten minutes of that oh, game. Man. And it was just, yeah, I mean, there was, I think, in terms of the weekend, the Adelaide Port one will probably be the highlight as for the game of the week. But um, yeah, this one was pretty close to being the nah, best. No, I reckon this one was. I reckon this yeah. because the, because oh, I didn't want to say have a biased opinion. No, but, it, but I think you, it was. It was probably the one we were most looking forward to as well, and it probably yeah, lived up yeah. to it. At the start, we thought it wasn't going to live up to it. We thought, oh, well, there you go. Carlton are a better side. They're just going to kick away. Hawthorne didn't give up. They did really, mm. really well to work their way back in the game. And like you mentioned, the momentum shifts. But in the last few minutes as well, it was really interesting to see who stepped up. And um, I thought Weedering was unbelievable, to be honest. Weedering is is almost as important as a uh, yeah. as a Sam Walsh or Paddy Cripps. Like, he's just unbelievable at the back there. And without, I think it was the last mark he took. Um, yeah, running back. back. And he, read, he read it really, really yeah. well. And it, like moments like that. They win your game. So uh, I think it was great, like you said, to see 66 at the MCG. When Hawthorne and Carlton are getting up and about, the crowds come back and that's the kind of thing we want for Melbourne, don't we? Yeah. And yeah. footy in general. It's good. It I is good. It. it is and good. it was great yeah. to see Carlton win. Bloody hell. We wouldn't <laughs> if Hawthorne had a one, you wouldn't have watched Nick. He would not have stopped all week. But 
no, oh, no, no I would have been up and about, honestly. But no. of course you would. A, a no, funny, was... a funny statistic is um in a hundred percent of games games between Hawthorne and Carlton that have uh ended in a one point margin, hundred hmm. percent of the time those two teams have met in the grand final. Oh, in that year. There we go. I, I can't tell Has you. That the, only happened uh, once. Uh, probably. I can't tell you the number, but uh, <laughs> no, just a little interesting. Doesn't matter. Stick with it. That's it. I That's like it. that. I'll, there I'll we go. I, I was impressed with Hawthorne's ability to fight back as well. Um, hmm. I thought that was super, and it shows a lot of maturity early on. Um, yeah. So yep. yeah, good on him, Nick. You should be proud of the boys. I, I think the doggies fans will be proud of their boys as well because of the response. Now, a lot of people going on about Sydney and how good they were, and after the Buddy Show, you know, could this team make the grand final? We had a question on this one from Dario Casale as well last week when he asked us about the Swannies. Too busy at a wedding apparently on Sunday for to write us in another question. But his question might have been, how good were the doggies? Because I thought they were really, really impressive. The reason why it's because I thought they went back to basics. And this might have been because we speak about Beveridge always having that ability mm. to get his boys up. They got beaten in, in contested ball and in clearances as well, I think, in the first two games. It was like that that spirit in the midfield had gone. They went back to basics. They out-tackled the Swans. They won contested ball. They won clearances. So they won that part of the game. And also, we were questioning up forward who was going to kick goals, who was going to step up. Jamari Hagen. In big moments, he stepped up. I thought he was fantastic. And Waitman as well. As a small forward, I think he kicked three goals on the night. But he was uh, he was extremely impressive. And so was Tim English, who Nick thought was the worst ruckman in the game. He probably got three oh. votes, I thought, on uh, on Thursday night. He was so very, he, very good. He was very good, wasn't he, Nick? You, didn't, you don't rate him much, but I thought he was, he was fantastic. No, I do. Absolutely, I do. I think, well, for a Ruckman as well, to get 24 disposals, 12 score involvements was fantastic from him. But the, the biggest thing for me, eight clearances as a, as a big man. Mm. That is huge in this day and age. So uh, literally huge for him. He is a he's a big man and a, a big influence. So I thought the dogs uh, earned back up a little bit of respect because if they had gone zero on three, oh, Beveridge would have been fired up. But he, uh, he has that ability to get his boys up. They like being the underdogs. So yeah. I thought that was a good win for them. That was probably uh, my highlight. Low lights, Gorda, you've got to mention the Bloody Tigers, don't you? I do. And it's um it's not unexpected, I suppose. We've, you know, I think most people have realized that not that the era's done, but the era is fading. Eras don't usually fall off a cliff just by everyone's, you know, want for them. I don't think Rich is going to be a bad side this year, but they're not going to be clinical. They're not going to be in positions where they usually grind out games. And so happened against Carlton, happened against St. Kilda again on the weekend. And it's just that last quarter where they just, you know, they're battling away. They get into positions. I think it was four-goal lead against St. Kilda on the weekend, and they end up uh, losing it pretty significantly in the end. So, yeah, for the for the games they've lost this year, they're minus 90 in disposals in last quarters. Uh, they're minus 30 in contested, contested possessions in last quarters, uh, minus 25 in inside 50s in last quarters, and they've been outscored by 80-odd points. So they just can't they just can't close. And I think you mentioned the same thing about Collingwood. It's like having... That, that a weird list, and I think it's the same for Richmond now. They got they're playing a lot of youngsters in key positions, especially in defence, where they rely so heavily on rebound scoring. And then their their guns are either injured out, or or just kind of not quite at their prime like they used to be for the last couple of years. Mm. That being said, I think the media loves to go the the era is dead. The era is dead. I think this team is fully capable of playing funnels, but if you're a Richmond fan. You won't be walking to too many games at the MCG this year expecting to win. You'll be yeah. relieved that you do, which is a bit sad for Richmond fans. 
Yeah, no, you said it well. I think that's pretty much spot on. It's hard when you you are missing your your key players. I mean, with with the likes that are out, they're they're influential to say the least. So it is hard. But when you're controlling probably most of the game, it looked like the Tiger hunger was back. The tackling pressure was there. They were, you know, um, pushing forward in waves like they usually do. But that means you've got to win the ball. But I thought the most impressive thing for the Tigers early on was the tackling pressure inside 50. That's 16 tackles at the end of the day in inside 50. St. Kevin had four. But that was what was missing from the Tigers in the, uh, in the early rounds because they played very tall up forward. So when it hits the deck, it was easy for teams to rebound. They were putting on that pressure and they were creating chances. And probably at the start of the third quarter, you thought, well, the Tigers will run away with this. That'll be fine. But like you said, run out of legs again. And just uh, that they once Dylan Grimes came off, there was not, the structure uh, defensively was poor, mm. so that was one thing missing a lot of uh, experience back there. But another thing was um, silly, silly mistakes giving away, giving away free kicks and fifty meter penalties as well, like the one from Marlon Pickett. You don't need that. You can give away fifty mm. fifty ones, but just little silly things, and it's been an issue since last year. So that's something they got to work on. Um, it, it's a, definitely a, a different feeling when you watch the Tigers mm. these days. And you see that in other sports as well. Like you look at, especially NBA, when dynasty teams and that, they, they, they're they so used to winning and they're so used to having things go their way. And a lot of times the 50-50 umpire calls go your way. And then when you fade off, that's when you see like the infighting and the bickering and the that yeah. kind of thing. And I think the same thing's happening at Richmond. Like those, those frustration free kicks you see given away is because, you know, two, three years ago, those 50-50s go some other way and you're usually in front and it's usually okay and you feel tired, yeah. but you're winning. So it's, better but when you're tired and you're losing and it's you know, fading away it's a bit, bit tougher and i yeah. think they're, they're finding that out losing well, yeah. it's a, how to get loose to losing depends what you class uh, like yeah what you define as a as a dynasty uh, for me the dynasty <laughs> ended last year when um richmond didn't make finals and when you put the, the only way they out. could really turn that around is if they win the premiership this year which but you, I, I don't still, think they'll be able to do. Yeah, if they, that's right, because it's the same crop of players. That's 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 the kind of thing. Like the dynasty, it's the same group of players that have that have been successful. Yeah. So I mean, if they wanted this year, it's still classified as part of the dynasty. Yeah, but I, I, they they probably won't. Yeah, it's yeah. probably. Look like I, I don't moment. think uh, at the moment. I think they'll be lucky to make finals at this point. To be honest, I think the top six. It's hard for me to uh, squeeze Richmond into the top six at the moment when you've got Brisbane, Melbourne, Carlton are looking like a top four side. Geelong, Sydney, you'd expect Bulldogs to come back up. Um, Well, they're they're probably in that little bracket, the Tigers, (laughs) the seventh to eighth bracket when you're fighting with the likes of St Kilda and the Giants and Mm. Collingwood and, yeah, maybe Hawthorne, I don't know. And where the West Coast and Port come back up, Mm. you know, it's going to be a a bit of a dogfight for, you know, those last two spots. And, um, yeah, I probably... I don't know. This is just my early, early take, but I Which we love. don't see Richmond making finals this well, year well. again. Um, and especially like order. with Dustin Martin, there's so many question marks. There's rumors now that he's going to retire in the coming weeks. I know. So. Look, Nick, you know what? I can appreciate that. But the other thing is, I'll just mention this to you because mm-hmm. this is something that's probably grinded my gears. Okay. Mm-hmm. In the past, every single player who's taken leave for mental health issues, there's been one story. It says players leaving for mental health issues. That's it. No follow up. Give them privacy. Give them space. Let them recover. And when they come back, they'll come back. The only player it's not happened to is Dustin Martin because it's Dustin mm. Martin. So, you know, it, it would That's be- also a credit to Dustin Martin. 
It's like when Michael Jordan retired from basketball. He's people retired from basketball. No one, no one gives two. That's hoots. fine. Retiring is different to leaving for mental health issues. I, I well, yeah, but at the time, I think Jordan. Again, I think I think it's be, it's not because they're trying to pick on him. I think that tr- it's because people are sad that he's leaving. No, I, I he could be potentially no leaving the game. Yeah. Yeah. No. No. There's no malice yeah. in it. I know that there's interest because of who it is. But yeah. at the same time, like the the media always bringing it up, and and Dimmer's being questioned. Like you can understand it's coming, but he's being yeah. questioned every single time he's appeared in the media about Dustin Martin, and he's kind of said. Look, mm. we want to give him space because, yeah, yeah. you know, the guy's well, I mean, taken, yeah. there's a reason why he's taken off. And I know the rumor came from, it was on the rumor file last uh, Friday uh, on 3AW. Uh, someone called in and uh, and said he was retiring and then rumors started to circulate. And then, um, yeah, and then Robbo spoke to his manager and the, the word from the Dustin Martin camp is, no, he's just taking time off. You know, he's, the passing of his dad hit harder than he expected um, and he needs time to, refresh and whatever and I, my opinion should be left at that like we don't know what's going to happen but you know it does hurt the tigers that he's not there definitely and we want him to be back and we wish him all the best mm-hmm. nicholas people you don't wish the best are the ones that flop and try and con the umpires is that true it is true and there was a there was a moment in that collingwood geelong game uh where paddy J- dangerfield went for a bit of a dive and scotty Pendlebury was wasn't happy about it i know that um i didn't think it was that bad you don't think it was bad, Scott? I don't think it was that bad. I think, it was, what, it was, what was his words to the umpire? Is there milked, a fine for staging? He milked the staging? contact. Yeah, he said. He said, "Is there a fine for staging?" Look, the, this isn't the first time we've seen it from. No, it's <laughs> not Dangerfield and it's a not. few other plays as well. And that's just that's what my point is. My point isn't um, just that moment in particular, but there's obviously been a bit of media attention around it, and it's um, yeah, it's put the spotlight on the issue now, but. I, I just want to say that I hate it. Um, you know, the, the umpiring at the moment is, um, it's, I mean, obviously as hard as it's ever been, I think, for umpires. And this week in particular, I don't think it was a very good week for the umps either. There was uh, <laughs> a few, it, few yeah. moments in a few games, a few, um, yeah, a few strange calls and a few calls that um, probably didn't get made as well. But just something that I really hate is just trying to make the, make the, um, the decisions more difficult for the umpires to make. Stop trying to con the umpires. Stop trying to put mayo on your, you know, pushing the backs. And the ones that I hate, especially that I'm seeing more and more, more and more of now, is um, the deliberate out of bounds. Whenever the ball goes out of bounds, there's usually someone who's appealing for deliberate. And nothing grinds my gears more than that. It's just like let the umpire throw the ball in and. Um, yeah, get on with the game. Just stop trying to milk things. Stop trying to call for free kicks. Just get on with it because, uh, yeah, it's becoming a real blight on the game at the moment. Bang. Yeah, don't mind that, Nico. I thought, this, you- I, I thought the Dangerfield one wasn't as bad. I thought it was a free kick, but he definitely milked the contact. Yeah. Uh, how bad that was. But, um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I don't like that. I don't like it when they, when they you, milk it. You reckon the umpire's been poor there, Nico, but do you reckon the umpire's cost anyone a game this year yet? I don't think it's been as I just think we scrutinize them more and more every year because we have more replays and more more yeah, hours to fill no, in between they're, games, they're, whatever. You know, but, Gordo, I, I'd usually agree with that, but no, there were there were some calls this week and you know this season actually that just there's no no explanation. Yeah, um, true. No, the holding the, the umps ball for a result. Becoming... I hate blaming the umps for a result. Like it's, it's in your own hands. I'm not blaming any results. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. That was a question. I, I don't think they've cost a, a team a game because of their umpiring. I mean, the 
I mean, I could bring up a few from the Hawthorne Carlton. Oh, but I won't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> about. Just check check Nick's Twitter. You'll, you'll see him there. Yeah. Oh, I'm just I'm just answering the question. Yeah, no, it was a good um, answer. And I mean, there, there there was a moment in the Hawthorne Carlton game. I, I did note it on Twitter where um, our ruckman Ned Reeves got. Um, <clears throat> Got his legs taken out in the ruck contest, I think, to Carlton Ruckman. Um, can't remember who was rucking at the time. I think it was Pittnet. Um, he just fell over and he took Reeves out with him. And then Reeves got called for um, blocking somehow. And anyway, they get the clearance. The ball goes forward. Sicily intercept marks it. And then there was a free kick off the ball tills to Silvani, which even um, bewildered some of the Carlton supporters and Silvani goes back and kicks the goal and Carlton win by a point. But, you know, obviously situations change in games and we can't really say if that was going to cost Hawthorne the game or not because we were a few goals down at the time. But it's just stupid calls like that where I just feel like the whistle just needs to be put away. Um, The game is definitely over umpired nowadays and um, the holding the ball... Uh, rule in particular is becoming harder and harder to understand as the weeks go on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that might it, Nico. I can see the passion there. I can see the emotion. Well done <laughs> for keeping it together and not crying. We appreciate that, Nicholas. Um, North fans don't appreciate footy at the moment. They shouldn't because they're absolutely disgraceful. Um, I'm not going to speak about it too much because we're going to speak to our special fan, Luke Maguire, about his beloved North. But they were my low light of the week. And the reason being, I mean, when you're smacked over by uh, smacked by over a hundred points, it's bad enough. Mm. But when your VFL team is smacked by 104 points as well, so combined over 200 point loss for the team, it doesn't give you much confidence about the depth there. And there's no brand mm. that you can attach to the Kangaroos. I think it's say they played this style, or they do this, or they're trying to achieve this. It's been really, really poor. I'm, gonna, I'm interested to see what, what Luke's perspective is on it, but it's not the first time, obviously. I mean, in the practice matches as well, they got drilled. Was it against Melbourne? They got beaten by 100, over 100 points in the in the pracky match, and that round one was really, really sloppy uh, against Hawthorne. I thought it was watching that game. It looked like two teams, to be honest, were going to be bottom two um, in terms of skills, and then they got over the line against West Coast, but that was basically a waffle side, and um, they were tested in that game as well. It wasn't an easy job. So just North Melbourne are very, very poor. And I think when you're losing by a combined 200 points in a weekend with the VFL side, I mean, that is as as bad as it gets. So not good for North. And uh, that was my low light. All right, fellas, time for some closing questions. All thanks to Simmons Homes. Thank you for sponsoring the show, guys. Uh, Nick? Yep. You'll have to get a Simmons home soon because you've put your house on about everything this year. You've been bold. You've been brash. <laughs> you've put your house on a lot of things. Would you push, put your house on Jeff Kennett keeping his position as president after what happened on the weekend? Uh, I pro- the no, story. I probably wouldn't. Not what happened on the weekend. Oh, oh, sorry, I'll clarify. Yeah, maybe Not what happened on the weekend, but the story that came out from Caroline Wilson on the weekend about yep. Jeff Kennett and his comments to Sirioli and Sirioli's partner, which was the final straw in Cyril leaving the club. They were the reports. Yeah, uh, I certainly wouldn't put my house on Jeff Kennett um, staying at the Hawks in the short term. He, he is due to um, hand over the reins in yep. June, I think it is, or July. Um, so he's obviously not going to be here by the end of the season. But um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they fast track that and let him go earlier. Do I think he will, though? I, probably not. 
Probably not. I'm about 60-40 at the moment. I think he'll so you stay. Think you find I'll, a way to stay. I think he'll stay until the end of the season. I, I mean, until the end of his tenure in June or where, whenever it is. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, 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 yeah, the Cyril Rioli story was... What were your impressions when it first came out, that, that report? Oh, what did you feel? Well, we kind of already knew it. Um, it was It's kind of what we already knew for the last couple of years, but the story just confirmed it. And, mm. yeah, it was extremely upsetting and disappointing. Obviously, Cyril's a player that, you know, a lot of Hawthorne supporters looked up to for such, a, like, for, yeah, 10 years or however long he was at the club. Much loved figure. Um and then to see that, you know, that was the way that, you know, it all ended. It's, um, yeah, and to see that's how he feels about Hawthorne now is, yeah, extremely disappointing. And um, we it would have been good um, for Hawthorne to, I guess, rectify the issue as soon as possible and not let it get to this stage. I know, like I read the article and it, there were moments in the article where you kind of thought, oh, you know what what more could Hawthorne have done you know Jeff Kennett wrote a letter to him and Alistair Clarkson flew over there and tried to reach out to the family and all that sort of stuff Sean Burgoyne went over there to try and you know fix the issue and nothing worked but um I think yeah we just, just never that long, I think that was the final straw so you've got a question about what happened to the build-up if that something as I don't want to say it's minor but say something of that 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 incident would to be the final straw you've got to wonder what else was was said and done in the build up to that? Which is um, fair so. enough. Which is fair enough. But then again, like Kennett wasn't at the club before that year, before that season, um, two thousand sixteen, I think was his first season back at the club. So, mm-hmm. so other yeah, other things. It wasn't just Kennett. That was just yeah. the, the yeah the the um the last uh, yeah the last straw. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Gordo, just a quick one from you on that. Um. Well, I've, I've, it's a very interesting. Uh, news piece of like news timing and potentially the conversation we'll have on tomorrow's episode of the sports media microscope. But um, mm. it's kind of like a free swing for Caroline Wilson. Obviously she's mm. had, like she has, she's very good at getting these stories done. And I think she's also very clever at doing them at the right time to keep her sources. Because if you drop this when it happens, because she would have known about this for as long as it's, as for long as that's been out information wise yeah. she could have dropped this last year the year before like cyril's been retired for a long time now but if you do that two years ago then then jeff has to actually be fired whereas if he's leaving in june anyway they can fast track it and he leaves tomorrow and it's no real difference to the Hawthorne football club or he leaves in june and that's how long the bureaucracy usually takes anyway so she gets the story out but she keeps her sources and doesn't really hurt the Hawthorne football club so it's a bit of a convenient timing for mine which you see quite a lot. We saw the same thing with the team, Tim Payne story in Cricket Australia. So mm. that was kind of like my interesting reactions, but otherwise it's just kind of a very sad story and hopefully Hawthorne can fix up their back office and make sure that they're one of their best players in their history and most ignamic players uh, feels comfortable rejoining yep. the club for reunions. Yeah, and it looks like, well, Sam Mitchell's reached out and he's trying to make amends and, and uh, asking Oh, he's spoken to Cyril and, and he's trying to do things to, to fix those situations and do more for the uh, Indigenous community and the club. And he did mention on Channel 7 News, I think it was on Saturday, that he, he wasn't aware of the incident, which I don't believe for a second, but he has to say that, I guess. Uh, uh, Ken Hinckley, is he in trouble, Nico? I, he is. He yep. is. Um, yeah, I said it on Friday. If they lose if they lose the showdown, he has to be in trouble. Um, yeah, obviously. 
And they did it, yeah. Mate, losing the preliminary final by 70, 80 points, whatever it was, and then to start the season zero and three, two of those games have been at the Adelaide Oval against Hawthorne and Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, regardless of what players are missing, it's a poor start to the season for Port Adelaide. Um, they were expecting to go one better this season and make a grand final, I believe. And uh, well, uh, it would be interesting to see what the percentage of teams make finals from zero and three start is because, um, yeah, they've, they've, they're, well, they're chasing the pack now, mm-hmm. it has to be said. And, yeah, the, the pressure has to be on Ken Hinckley. Yeah, Gordo was nodding uh, feverishly there. Uh, that's an agreement from you. He's in trouble, Gordo. Well, he's been there 10 years, been there for yeah. a decade, and like, so the only way he can stay is if he keeps on improving the club, the list, development, mm-hmm. which means he has to win a flag. He has to. So he's in and, trouble and, now. Yeah, he's in trouble. Right. And Donald people, doesn't cut it for him this year. So yeah, and some people say like, oh, it's not fair. He's been, he's nearly been there, but he hasn't been like other coaches that have won premierships in the past and 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 actually delivered success to say, oh, that's all right. We got close. We know we can do it. Well, we don't know because he hasn't. And, he hasn't and the same it. thing happened to Brad Scott. He mm. took North to prelims. And then they fade it off and you have to leave because that's yep. just what happens that you've, you've done your turn. The, the game style no longer works or you just don't, you can't get the vibe around the club anymore. That doesn't mean he's a bad coach. He's a very good coach and he's got, you know, good results, just not the best results. Mm-hmm. And then you'll move on to another job or whatever. But that's, that's right. Nicholas yeah. on the ladder, where do the pies finish? Give me an early prediction. Just give me a number. That's all I want from you, sir. Well, I've still got them in the ninth to twelfth area, so ninth somewhere. 12, so yeah, I, okay. I still don't have them in the top eight. I think. Okay. I love I love the way they've started. Um, I don't think. I mean, it would be a challenge for them to keep up that pressure all season long. They're a young team. I believe they will tire out, and I mean, it wouldn't be the first time they've started the season strongly and faded out towards. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Towards What's your number, Gordo? They finish eighth, eighth. by beating That's Carlton in round twenty three. <laughs> Imagine that. That'd be huge. I love it. Uh, did the Bombers win back any respect for you on Friday night, Nicholas? No. No? Just no? Flat out no? Okay, fair Not enough. Not really, no. Uh, Gordo, any respect? No. No, no because they were, they were meant to be like the Carlton of this year. Like they were meant to be lighting it up, showing their stripes. They, they did hit the front at one stage, didn't they, halfway through the game against the... Yeah, because Melbourne was kicking at, what, 43% or something in inside yeah. 50. Like that yeah. was, as you said, early in the piece today... Melbourne should have won that by plenty more, and yeah. the scoreline flattered the endeavour and the execution of the Bombers. They're in, yeah. they're in trouble. They're in, yeah. they're in Port Adelaide areas Ooh, right now. So. Huge, yeah. The only respect they won back for me was the fact that they did send somebody to Petrarca. They sent it, they sent Andy McGrath to him, and he ended up with like, what was it, like twenty three or twenty six disposals. So it was, it was less than yeah. the others, but still, at least they did something. They improved on something. A little bit of respect. At least Ben Rutten did that. Something. They're still struggling with Bombers. I agree with that. You boys aren't struggling. That was a brilliant episode. You brought your stats. You brought your swagger. You brought your opinions. That's what I love. Hashtag 40 Live, everyone. Get involved. We've got a big week coming up. We've got the Sports Media Microscope coming out tomorrow, I believe. And then we've got the round preview later in the week. It's heap of content. If you haven't downloaded 40 Live, you're a nut. But do it. And those who have, hashtag 40 Live, get involved. We love you all. And we'll see you soon.